Okay, so um, we are going to start a new series today. Um, and starting from here out, my plan is to record audio from them so that people that can't be here can hear it. Or um, I can review and say, oh my gosh, what did I just say? <laughs> uh, but so, so I'll be looking for that. Um, the, the homilies and the, and the uh, audio from Christian Ed will be on the website pretty regularly from here out. And it should be available to get from most of your typical podcast um, things. It's not on iTunes yet because Apple is slow at letting it in, but it should be so um, eventually. But um, so just that, that's just a little uh, little heads up there. And um, this week, originally, Father Marcus was going to uh, give a give a report on the uh, Comimenos Juntos uh, conference that he went to. But then he reminded me as we were leaving. Oh, by the way, I'm going to Corpus next weekend. So um, I'm not doing that after all. And so 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 I, I kind of jumping on this about two weeks earlier than I thought. Uh, next week, Magda is going to come and talk about the Spring of Hope Foundation. Uh, the, uh, the the missionary effort that she's involved in. So yes. Are Father Jerry and Stacy going to come and present? Um, Father Jerry, we want them to. I haven't been able to pin them down yet. Um, they're supposed to be here in September, mm-hmm. and so um, I do intend to get them here. I don't know what their schedule is like, so um, I'll I figure I'll reach out to them again, find out what's going on because I, I definitely like them. You know, I, I'd love to I'd love to turn him turn the service over to him. Um, I, I have, when I was at Christ our King as a postulant, he was um, uh, running the 28th service, and so uh, um, he knows the service. It's not like, it's not like he, he's afraid of this. So, All right, well, speaking of the 28th service, I hope everybody has their, their uh, prayer book. Does anybody need a prayer book? If anybody does not have one, we can get some to you, because we always have some on the shelf. And uh, during this, this, this uh, study we're going to be doing... Um, if you do not own a copy of the prayer book, take one of our not so gently used ones home and and hang on to it, and uh, and we will we will eventually get you a new one. But kind of don't be afraid to 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 take it home and use things. Um, so the uh, the title of our prayer book is kind of the official title is going to be um, of really tell you what this is all about. And so the purpose of what we're going to be doing in, the next, in this study is kind of giving you some stuff from the prayer book that you can use at home in your devotions, helping you grow in, um, in those spiritual disciplines as we do them um, as traditional Anglicans. So over on the title page, we see the, the, the full uh, title. It's the Book of Common Prayer and Administration of the Sacraments and Other Rites and Ceremonies of the Church together with the Psalter or Psalms of David. And it doesn't tell, you, it doesn't tell this, but it also has um, bound with it the ordinal and the 39 articles of religion. So basically what we have in the prayer book is everything we need, we need other than the Bible to really do a service in its bare minimum. Now, of course, we do use hymns and that sort of thing, and, and the, uh, the English reformers did not include hymns in their original way of doing things, but with the Psalms, you actually do have that covered if you need to as well. So, so that's what the prayer book is here for. It's to basically be everything we need to do church um, other than the Bible. And if you have one like mine, it has the Bible too. So you kind of have a one volume um, uh, manual for everything that, that is necessary uh, for the church. So um, when it says common prayer, 
it's talking about the stuff that we're going to be dealing with in this class. And that's basically those prayer services that while they are designed to be led by a clergyman, it doesn't require a clergyman. These, these are the kinds of things that can be said at home, in families, in um, Bible studies, or whatever the context, it can be done. Um, some of y'all follow uh, Bishop Gavin Ashenden from uh, England. Some of y'all know, know Bishop Gavin? Okay, he, he actually has, has uh, live streams every day from his home altar morning prayer. And, and he said that um, that just kind of started as a thing that people asked him to do. And it's become this kind of online Bible study and, and prayer community for a bunch of folks that don't have any other way of plugging in. So, you know, there's that kind of thing that can happen, too. So that's the common prayer part. Um, administration of the sacraments. In the context of the prayer book, that's specifically referring to baptism and Holy Communion. Um, when it says other rites and ceremonies, that's those other things we often call sacraments. <laughs> so confirmation, marriage, um, uh, uh, confession and absolution, the burial of the dead, um, and the ordinal. Although technically the ordinal is a separate book. It's just bound with the prayer book all the time. The Psalter is a separate book bound with the prayer book all the time. The 39 Articles of Religion, a separate book bound with it. So that's what we have in the Book of Common Prayer. Before the, before the time of the, um, of the Reformation, uh, the, the church had really gotten kind of bloated with a lot of extra stuff. It was really difficult to follow along because you needed about half a dozen books to do any given service. And it was just not a, not a great thing to do if you were going to involve the laity. And part of what the Reformation was about was bringing the laity into, into the life of the church beyond private devotions. Um, when it came to Holy Communion, the laity was generally just spectators back in the Middle Ages. They showed up, they watched the priest, priest do his thing, they generally didn't take communion. Um, a lot of times they were just praying their rosary or something while the priest mumbled through the Latin as fast as he could. Um, you know, that kind of thing with bells ringing to show when the important parts were. I mean, that's a bit of a caricature, but that's the kind of thing that had become very common up until then. So they had one book for the uh, daily prayers. They had another book for communion. They had a different book for communion when the bishop was there. Another book for ordinations. Another book for this. Another book for that. You, you had all these different books. And um, thus, it wasn't something that the laity even could follow along in. And on top of that, the way the scriptures were dealt with in the Middle Ages was very haphazard. They, 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 uh, the way Archbishop Cranmer puts it is, before one book was read, it had been unread. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And um, they mixed in with, with the study of Scripture, with the proclamation of Scripture, legends and saint stories. And it just, it just kind of got bloated. Um, and, and there was a lot of scope creep, as we say in the business world, over, over centuries so the English reformers wanted to simplify things for the reformed English church. They wanted to bring things back down to a level where everybody could handle it. Now, when you, when you look in the Old Testament, we see that uh, in the temple was prescribed daily offerings. You always had a morning offering and always had an evening offering. Uh, and then on holy days, you would have some midday offerings as well, as well as special offerings. So, so oftentimes there would be three offerings a day, always at least two offerings a day, 
And, and that, that's the way the temple service was done. Gradually, this becomes the practice of the Israelites, of the Hebrew people, who were not involved in the temple. Because if you remember, the temple and the tabernacle is in one place, and the people are scattered over the, over the country. The people would use these times as set-aside prayer times. And so by the time we get to, say, the book of Daniel... Daniel's praying three times a day, and those are the the times for the morning, noon, and evening sacrifices. By the time we get to the New Testament, we see St. Peter up on the roof in the book of Acts at, quote, the time of prayer. And that was one of these set times. So the, and, and these would be times when individuals would pray, but also once the synagogue system got established during the exile where the people would gather together to pray. Uh, the, the tradition among uh, the Jewish people is that you need at least 10 men to have a full congregation. So um, it was kind of considered part of your duty if you were one of the men who was close enough to go to synagogue to show up in the morning and in the evening for these prayer times. And then later on, the noontime prayers got added as well. The church takes this on pretty much exactly as they got it. And the big body of those prayer times, those early prayer times in the church, uh, was related to the Psalms and uh, some other prayers, set prayers. But it was, it was definitely liturgical, and it was mostly related to the Psalms. And these were Psalms that were very much specific for evening and morning. They, they, were, they were kind of seasonally appropriate or daily appropriate, that sort of thing. And so every day, the church would gather just like the Jews had been gathering to do this morning and evening prayer. And it, it gets more and more structure as things go, but, but it would always been pretty much similar to the synagogue structure. As well as then on Sundays, the church would gather for Holy Communion. So we end up with this, this twofold um, spiritual discipline when it comes to prayer life in the early church. And that's the daily prayers and the weekly communion. Gradually, this becomes more monastic. The the monks really take this over. And what happens is the monks take over this, this system is that it becomes more and more monastic and less and less lay. The lay people kind of didn't really get involved as much anymore. Um, the monks were kind of praying on their behalf. And the way it was done became more about a kind of rule of life systematically going through the scriptures and the Psalms rather than it being um, day and evenings, you know, kind of you do the same handful of Psalms every day and every evening. It became, okay, we're going to cycle through the Psalms, cycle through the prayers, somewhat cycle through the, through the reading of scripture. But they did this in eight services a day, not just two. <laughs> this was very difficult even for the monks to keep up to the point where it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for the monks to kind of squish a bunch of offices together in one super office. Or Martin, this, was, this was something Martin Luther, when he was a monk, did all the time. Um, he would miss a bunch of services, maybe days worth, and then he would spend three, four, five, six hours trying to catch up. 
Um, you know, how, how often do we do that with, when we're kind of going through a set Bible reading, right? Oh my gosh, I missed yesterday. I better catch up, do two, twice as much today. I've missed a week. I've got, to, you know, seven days worth of readings. And it never works out. It never really works out. <laughs> but, I mean, but that's the kind of thing that would happen in the monastic services as well. So at the time of the Reformation, the Reformers say, let's take this good monastic discipline of da- daily prayer that did come from the lay people once upon a time and bring it back to something that is doable in a lay context. So that's what ends up happening with the daily prayers uh, in, the, in the prayer book. Um, I may or may not get to any slides uh, today. This is, this is some slides that we had done um, way back in the day, uh, and um, I'll, I'll have a new set for the future uh, but this was part of the not expecting to be doing this until two weeks from now part. <laughs> no, to, 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 to their credit, I was told about a week ago that this would be the case. It just, it just I expected to have three weeks, not, not one. Um, the, the bene- there, there's a few benefits that we get from engaging in this spiritual discipline of morning and evening prayer. Uh, first of all, it's a vehicle for getting the scriptures in the context of prayer. And that was really Archbishop Cranmer's main motivation for setting things up the way he did in the original Book of Common Prayer, was he wanted the scriptures to be read, um, and his goal was for most of it to be read every year. That was never fully accomplished in any of the lectionaries, the daily lectionaries. Um, You know, it's... Unfortunately, this has been an era, area where our tradition has been dropping the ball really since the beginning. Uh, there, was, there was some parts that they were like, oh, gosh, we don't know that we want this to actually be read in public. It's a little scandalous, you know, gets a little too sexual, maybe. Or, um, you know, maybe it's really confusing, like parts of Revelation. Or maybe it gets redundant, like um, Chronicles and Kings together, you know, that sort of thing. And so... Um, it was always somewhat abbreviated, and I think that's a shame. Unfortunately, the one we have in our prayer book is kind of the worst of the lot. Um, they, 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 they've, every time they revise it, they cut out more and more and more. Uh, but here, here in our parish, we've been using, for those that want to, one that actually does cover the whole, the whole year. And um, it's, I, I've enjoyed that myself. And we'll, we'll probably be doing that as a kind of our official... Our, our official, unofficial way of doing things here in the parish uh, from here out. And the Psalms are set up in morning prayer to be gone through once a month. So it was, it was broken up so that you, you, you go through the Psalms every month. So let's start there just in terms of kind of getting an overview. In your prayer books, uh, let's turn over to the Psalms of David. You're going to find day one beginning on page 345. One of the good things that the American church has always done is it standardized the printing of these so that it doesn't matter who's your publisher, the page numbers are always the same. It's very, very nice. The same is not true, unfortunately, in England. So if you pick up a 1662, um, you have to know your prayer book better than we do here. (laughs) We just have to know how to read page numbers here. Oh, so um, we begin, of course, with Psalm 1 on page 345. And notice that it says the first day morning prayer, right? The first day morning prayer. So we read, so we have Psalm 1, Psalm 2, 
the next page is Psalm 3, the next page Psalms 4 and 5, and then when you get to Psalm 6, it says evening prayer, right? And so then we go through Psalm 6, 7, 8, and on page 351 it says the second day morning prayer. Right, so these are the days of the month. And so it's divided up into two offices for 30 days. Uh, so that, so that if, you, if you did do both offices every day, you would go through the Psalter um, every month. I have found that to be a very important thing in my own spiritual life. At first, it was not easy to do because we're used to reading only a part of a psalm a day, if that. Uh, and so now we're, okay, hitting three a day or three in office, sometimes five a day, sometimes more. Um, thankfully, Psalm 119 is broken up over the course of three days. Because <laughs> that's, 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 that's a long one. Uh, but I, I found this to be very, very helpful in my own spiritual life. Uh, because the Psalms really are the, the prayer book of, of our Lord, the prayer book of Israel. It's the hymnal of Jesus and the apostles. And um, uh, it's, it's almost like the biblical story in, 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 in miniature. Um, I found that to be very helpful. Uh, questions so far? Okay, one of the questions that always comes up is, what do you do on day 31? <laughs> um, well, yeah, on the 31st day, um, some folks, like, like um, if, it's a, if it's a day with 30, 31 days, um, some folks will just do either day 30 again or Psalm 1 again. That happens a lot. Um, in the um, ACNA's new reading list, they have gone back to a 30-day cycle, which is great. Um, and, and their daily lectionary is a lot better than a lot. Of, it's still not complete, but it's a lot better. Um, but So they do the Psalms of Ascent, which are, I think, Psalm 120 and like the next 10 Psalms on, on day 31. Sweet. What about um, February? Uh, you just skip day 29 and 30 in February. Yeah, those are the two questions that always come up. What do you do in February? What do you do in months with 31 days? And so, um, yeah, February, you just skip day 29 and 31 and go right back to, uh, to Psalm 1 in, the, uh, in, in March 1. Oh, so, so sweet has to do three days worth. The rest of us can just skip it. Okay, I like it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the ACNA's uh, prayer book has the Psalms of Ascent on day 31. Uh, some people would just read Psalm 1 again, or the day 1 again or day 30 again. Um, some people do a day that they missed. <laughs> you know, day, 30, months, with, months with 31 days are, uh, are some gravy. <laughs> you, get, you get a bit of a... So I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's done different ways. Um, in, in the lectionary that we're using in our parish, kind of unofficially, it uses the, the, um, the ACNA's way of doing it, uh, the Psalms of Ascent on day 31. So uh, that's, that's the way that goes for the Psalms. Um, okay, let's see. An important part of this, this prayer discipline is this principle, lex orandi, lex credendi, the law of prayer is the law of belief. How we pray will shape how we believe. And that's really why using the Psalms, um, that 30-day cycle has been so helpful for me, and for a lot of people that have, that, have, that have done that, is because 
your prayer life and therefore the way you think about God gets soaked in that biblical language of the Psalms. You start to kind of, as things happen, the words of the Psalms come back. And the same is true for all of the prayers of morning and evening prayer, is it becomes something that just gets in you. It helps to shape, in a very positive way, the, how you believe. That's also, by the way, why it's important to have good, solid liturgy, not sloppy liturgy. Um, the funny thing about the Anglican world is, um, <laughs> and this is not necessarily to our credit, this first part, but uh, in the last hundred years or so, people can believe just about anything they want, so long as we don't mess with the liturgy. Because <laughs> once you start messing with the liturgy, you're, you're doing things on an official level um, that, that, is, uh, that, that gets really, really important. You know, this is, and that's, that's why one of the techniques, let me back up, that, that's, that's going to be a little overstating the case. This is one of the reasons why, as we have seen a departure from the classical book of common prayer and this multiplicity of, of kind of alternative liturgies, um, experimental liturgies, that sort of thing, in the last hundred and about hundred years, um, we have seen an explosion of heterodox belief in the Anglican world. Um, and it's not that we didn't have problems from time to time before, but it hasn't been as bad as it, as it was in the last hundred years. And a lot of that's because we started messing around with the liturgy. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's very important. Um, uh, for what it's worth, I do, for the most part, really like what's going on in the ACNA's prayer book. Um, we're not going to use it here. We're going to stick with the traditional prayer book at All Saints. But um, it's, it's been pretty good. And, and I, as the canon for liturgy, I've kind of had to keep my fingers on the pulse. Um, the bishop expects reports from time to time. So I have to, even if we're never going to use it, I have to be aware of it. So um, if you turn over to, in, the, in your prayer books, we'll go into the Roman numerals. Um... Let's start over on Roman numeral number nine at the very, very, very beginning of the prayer book. On Roman numeral nine, we have this page that is a selection of psalms. And so these psalms are kind of uh, given topically. We have God the Creator, God the Redeemer, God the Judge, God's Glory his sovereignty, his wisdom, his law, his providence, his mercy. We have the incarnation, psalms that, that talk about Jesus before he got here, right? Um, we have the passion, psalms that talk about his crucifixion before he got here. Psalms that talk about the church, psalms that are worship or thanksgiving or prayer or that talk about trusting in God or how he's our refuge, divine guidance, Psalms to pray in time of trouble. Psalms about righteousness or peace or the transitoriousness of life, the hope of immortality. Psalms for the morning, psalms for the evening, penitential psalms when we need to repent, right? 
Preparation for Holy Communion. That's kind of neat. Thanksgiving after Holy Communion. We have all this selection of psalms so that in our private life, in our devotional life, we can always go to God's word in the psalms. This is pretty neat. I've definitely found this to be helpful, especially when praying for people using that language from the psalms. Um, I, I would remember that this is in your, in your prayer book because you're going to want to use this uh, from time to time. Um, when I was uh, not a priest and not serving at the altar, I often would, uh, while, the, while we were preparing to go up to communion, grab one of those psalms and afterwards grab one of those psalms. I found it was very helpful for me as well. So that's something very important to take a look at. Um, the next page does have the 1945 lectionary. Um, so the thing about this lectionary is that it is not going to give you the whole scriptures, but it will, if you've never really gotten into your Bible, give you a nice overview of the biblical story within the context of the church here. So this, this lectionary is, is, is written and designed to be used based on what week you are in the church year. So it begins with that first Sunday in Advent, and then you have some readings for Sundays, and then you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, etc. Um, and it, it will give you a nice overview of Scripture in that context. Um, the readings are pretty short, maybe a dozen verses. Um, some, you know, rarely does it get to be a whole chapter. That's, by the way, why it doesn't cover the whole Bible. They're very short readings. But if you've never really gotten into the Bible before, it's not bad. But once you start to get to know your Bible, it gets frustrating. You guys are like, hey, why did you skip this part? <laughs> why did you skip that part? Why are you stopping here? You're in the middle of a story, you know, that kind of thing. It gets very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, sometimes in the middle of a sentence. So th- that gets very frustrating. Um, and, and really, this was an unfortunate concession to the lessening sh- uh, attention spans as we got into the 20th century. Um, and the fact that it's part of uh, designed with the church here also means that there's going to be stuff that gets skipped. Uh, the sixth week in Epiphany, we get that only once maybe every 30 years. So what are you going to assign to readings that you only read once every 30 years? You know, that kind of thing. That, that gets to be some of the issue with it. That's why, you know, we're going to be adopting that um, unofficial one more efficiently at the parish level. Uh, but you do have all those. Um, later on, it does have some readings for, for holy days. You'll notice on the Sundays in the morning... One of the Old Testament readings has a little asterisk next to it, a little star. That, that indicates that the editors of the lectionary said that that matches up with our epistle and gospel that we use at Holy Communion. So um, that's something that might be good to read before you come to church on Sundays. Every now and again, we'll do kind of an expanded Holy Communion service where we'll start with a, an abbreviated morning prayer, and we'll use that, that lesson as our Old Testament. We do that from time to time. Um, we will never do that for the first service, lest I don't do Sunday school. So um, <laughs> that would cut into this time too much. So we're not gonna, we won't do that. But from time to time, we'll do it in the future at the second service. What about, though, if sometimes the lectionary readings can get a little bogged down in your private readings because... Um, you'll skip days. You haven't built up the discipline. That, that's, a, that's a reality of, of life when you're first beginning to get into Bible. 
if, and if you haven't really ever been doing that, the lectionary can actually be very difficult and detrimental. It can be, it can kind of, it can kind of depress you because you find yourself having to play catch up, and then you can't play catch up. And, and you know that was one of the things that drove Luther nuts as a as a as a monk, as he was always playing catch up, and he was bad at it. <laughs> Um, here's a really good way if you want to cover the Bible um, throughout the year. If you want to cover the Bible in the whole year and you might not have the discipline yet for doing both offices. Even, you know, I've been doing this for a, for a while now. And even for me, I usually get the readings, but I don't always get the offices, you know, every day. So here's a really good technique. If you read two chapters from the Old Testament and one chapter from the New Testament, you will pretty much get through the Bible every year. And so what you might do is read an old, a chapter in the Old and a chapter in the New during your, your devotion times in the morning. And then in the evening, you know, maybe, maybe just do it before bed or something like that. Um, that's, that's one way to do that. And maybe start, um, you know, in Isaiah you know, for one Old Testament reading and Genesis for the other one, or just do two chapters in Genesis and kind of work your way through, whatever. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that can be up to you. But that will get you through. And if you find yourself at a point where you've missed some, just pick up where you left off. You're not bound to a lectionary then. And so maybe it'll take you a little bit longer than um, a year, but still you'll be getting through it without having to play catch-up. The first time that I actually read through the Bible was this kind of thing. Um, it was a reading plan that the publisher Zondervan did in their, in their, the student Bible I received when I turned 15. Um, and they had three tracks in there. One were these different little topical two-week studies. So it was like, okay, 14, day, 14 readings on the life of King David, 14 readings on women in the Bible, 14 readings on salvation, whatever. It was kind of, I, I skipped right over that. Then there was a six-month one where you touched on at least something from every book. It probably took me more like nine, eight or nine months to get through it because I had not built up that discipline. But by the end of that, I said, okay, I'm ready to tackle the whole Bible. So their other one was three years, basically a chapter a day, to get through every word of the Bible. And it got to the point in about halfway through year two where I started doubling down because the discipline had been built up and I was enjoying reading more of the Bible. And so I actually finished the three-year one closer to two and a half years um, while it took the six-month one nine months. So, so that, I mean, that's just the natural way the spiritual disciplines work. We're going to go ahead and stop here. Uh, we, are, we are at 11.01, so it's time to get ready for Mass. But um, a quick, we have a time for a quick question or so, and then we'll actually get into more of the prayer book, not next week, but the week after that. Kevin. So you had the songs through um, through the day in the, in the past. You have this part. Yeah. And then you have right. a monthly. Yeah. Okay, my my recommendation for, for you guys would use use what's use the monthly psalms, use use the uh, the monthly one in there, just ignore the the lectionary, the nineteen forty five lectionary, just blow it off. And, and I say that because I know where you guys are at in terms of your, your familiarity with the Bible and that sort of thing. There's other people I would advise to just use the lectionary um, as they're kind of building up that discipline. 
So, so um, that, that's, that's that alternative one. Some friends of mine uh, at, the, at the North American Anglican had published that about 10 years ago. And it covers, it was basically a proposed lectionary that actually covered the whole Bible every year. And, and, and a section of the Apocrypha. And we'll talk about the Apocrypha next time. Um, remind me to talk about the Apocrypha next time. Um, so it actually covers the whole Bible, which is why it, I think it's better. Um, those of us that have been doing it, um, we, we started do, doing it kind of unofficially, folks in the parish, this year. And those that have been doing it have found it very, very good. Um, on Wednesday nights, we've still been using the 45 lectionary, but we're going to be changing for next year. And it's based on the calendar year, so it starts in January. Um, so you're kind of picking up now in the middle of it, but we'll, 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 public, we'll, we'll have it out available again starting in January. So I would recommend that's better if you can handle that discipline. Um, if that's a tall order, um, sometimes doing you know, a chapter and a half in the Old Testament and a full chapter in the New Testament twice a day. If that's a tall order, that's okay. And we'll talk about ways to kind of deal with that again. Um, we'll break that down some more next week. Or next, two weeks from now, two weeks from now. Uh, any, any, anything else? Well, all right, well, let's pray. Um, Father, we do uh, thank you for your word and thank you for our spiritual fathers that have given us ways to go through it every every year and really soak in your word because that's what we want lord we want to soak in your word so that we'll know you better um the holy spirit will speak to us and uh, we will have that means of grace and lord we as we prepare to go uh, to holy communion for another one of those means of grace we ask your blessing uh in jesus name amen, amen. all right i will see you all either in mass or next week as the case may be